Welcome to FinTech in the Cloud with AWS, your direct line to the founders, investors, and startups who are shaping the ever-evolving world of FinTech. I'm your host, Sakine Damanga. On this episode, I had the pleasure of speaking with Will Uppington, CEO and co-founder at Truera. Truera is a startup that provides AI quality solutions to help enterprises analyze machine learning, improve model quality, and build trust. Trera's suite of AI quality solutions help eliminate the black box surrounding widely used AI and ML technologies. This visibility leads to high quality, explainable models that achieve measurable business results, address unfair bias, and ensure governance and compliance. On this episode, Will breaks down the definition of AI, artificial intelligence, and ML, machine learning. He also provides insights to trends in the AI space, such as generative AI, which is quite popular at the moment, and how AI is influencing fintech as a whole. Enjoy. Hi, Will. Welcome. Nice to be here. So happy to have you here. One of the ways we like to start off this podcast is to understand your background and your journey in fintech. So, Will, are you able to tell us a bit about your background and how you eventually got to Truera? I primarily worked in startups most of my career. Truera is the first startup that I've worked on. And the startup before this, I was working on a company called Bloomer HR, was chief product officer there. And that company had capabilities to provide e-commerce experience technologies for mostly e-commerce companies, such as internal site search, recommendations, content management and generation. And I was a number of years ago working with a team to start using machine learning models. And I found that machine learning technology, which was very new back then and is still, I would argue, quite new, was difficult to work with. It was hard to consistently build effective models across the hundreds of customers that we were working with. It was really hard to explain those models to our customers to get them comfortable with using them. And it was really hard to monitor and maintain the performance of those models across all of those customers. And I thought that those would be problems that most people who are using machine learning were going to face. And so I was fortunate enough to meet my two co-founders, Anupam and Shayak, who had been doing a lot of the original research in the areas of AI explainability and monitoring and fairness around machine learning, and realized that the technology that they had developed was, I thought, the key to solving these kinds of problems. And we, so we got together and built Trera. Trera is a machine learning development tools company. So we work with any company that is building machine learning driven systems. And we help them in those similar areas that I had found challenging, specifically how to monitor, explain, evaluate, test, and debug machine learning systems. And we're working with a lot of companies in all different kinds of verticals, but a lot in the financial services area and banking, insurance, and fintech and insurtech. I think it'd be helpful for us to break down machine learning and the AI dynamics. For those who are listening, AI stands for artificial intelligence. In your words, how would you define what AI is and as well as machine learning? AI is kind of an umbrella term for kind of compute systems that can generally are trying to perform tasks that otherwise would require human intelligence. So that's things like computer vision, it's around natural language processing. It's around decision-making or prediction, future predictions of what may happen. And then machine learning within that is a subset of that generally considered, although people use some of those synonyms, but where you take data 
and you train a model based on that data using algorithms. And then you use that model in order to recognize patterns in the data, and that enables you to make predictions around that data. So in financial services, people use these machine learning systems in order to do things like predict the credit worthiness of an applicant for a credit card, or identify potential fraud, or identify potential money laundering, or predict what is the likelihood of a particular customer to be interested in a particular kind of product, or the likelihood that the customer may churn. Or in the case of increasing focus on generative AI in terms of providing customer service, chatbots, question and answers, and those kinds of things. That's some of the applications of machine learning in fintech. The definitions of AI and machine learning, they tend to be interchangeable, right? So I feel like a lot of the times when you're reading a document or somebody's referencing a solution, they normally have AI slash ML, which is artificial intelligence slash machine learning, which is ML. And yes. people are not really clear. They'll think that they're quite interchangeable. So in your mind, how would you define the delta between the two? I think that simply artificial intelligence tends to be broader. It tends to encompass kind of any method that could be used to provide human intelligence types tasks, whereas machine learning is a lot more specific. There's a certain set of technologies around machine learning where you're specifically taking a data set and using an algorithm to learn that data set and the algorithm kind of automatically creates a model, which you can then use for predictions. So it is something where a lot of people can use it interchangeably, and that's generally okay. The more layman thing is AI is broader and contains anything that could be used to create intelligent systems, whereas machine learning is more specific, and there's a certain set of technologies that are considered machine learning technologies. So is it fair to say AI is kind of the umbrella of the whole notion of artificial intelligence, which can be really broad and can reference different variations of artificial intelligence in the broader scheme of things. And then machine learning is specifically more granular, targeted to certain solutions or algorithms that it's trying to solve for. Yeah, machine learning is considered kind of a subset. There's a specific set of technologies that are considered machine learning technologies. Correct. Yep. What are some of the big trends in AI right now? I think there are four big trends. So generative AI is obviously a massive one with the kind of technologies that OpenAI is producing with ChatGPT, and they just released ChatGPT4 at the time of this podcast. That's something that is getting a lot of attention because the capabilities of these generative AI systems are significant and have, I think have gone beyond maybe even what the creators thought was possible. And so they are able to produce content and responses that are very high quality. And thus people are thinking about essentially any kind of knowledge worker job can in effect over time have like a generative AI companion for that job. Whereas you're going through the course of the day, there can be a number of different pieces of information you need and generative AI systems will be a really effective way of getting that kind of information and generating content that otherwise would have been created by humans, whether that's in kind of 
marketing sphere or in legal sphere, things like that. There's a number of different applications. So there's a lot of excitement around that right now. A second trend I would say would be overall the massive adoption of machine learning and AI technologies, including in finance and fintech. Machine learning is not one of these flash in the pan type technologies where you're going to have these potential big setbacks like you have in crypto and other areas. It is really something that's going to affect every single business and human activity in general. And what we're seeing is just more and more companies adopting machine learning and building machine learning systems in-house. I think a third trend is as a result of this massive adoption, it's getting more scrutiny in the public sphere. And as a result of this scrutiny and the stories that create fears around the use of machine learning, there's an increasing trend to oversight and regulation of the use of machine learning, especially in higher risk activities. So there have been a, a couple of different laws actually passed in the US in small areas, not major laws. And then there are, such as in New York City, a law around fairness and the use of machine learning in employment. And then in Colorado, about fairness in the use of machine learning insurance. But there are very significant bills and laws that are going to be considered or potentially passed this year or next year, such as the European Union's Artificial Intelligence Act, and Canada has a version, a number of other different countries have versions of those. That's kind of scrutiny and regulation of AI, I think, is the third trend. And then the fourth trend is really the maturation of AI technologies. As any technology gets started, it's a bit of a, a cottage industry with a set of cottage technologies, and there's a fair amount of art to building machine learning systems and not a lot of mature, sophisticated tools and processes, just like we've developed in software development. And as you get this adoption, you need to have the technologies and practices in order to make sure that these AI systems are going to be built in a high quality way. And so part of the trend we see in this kind of maturation of AI is this increasing need for quality in terms of the use of machine learning so that it can be safely used or effectively used in all these different areas associated with kind of the adoption of machine learning. So the four trends there would generate AI, massive adoption, scrutiny and regulation of AI, and then maturation and the need of AI tools and the need for AI quality. You know, those are really interesting. I think there was a study or a survey by EY recently that quoted that fintech is leading AI adoption. I think there's a sample of 85% of respondents kind of leading to the notion that all their fintech organizations are really driving a lot of the AI adoption. So we're seeing that a lot in terms of trends among the four that you're alluding to. You referenced ChatGPT and how their new version just evolved, I think, a week ago as we're being recorded. Who knows? If there'll be another one coming up by the time we publish this, it'll be good to understand the evolution of generative AI and how big of a deal is it? Because I think a lot of people are probably seeing it referenced quite a bit. There's obviously the fascination with GPT-4 and what OpenAI is doing and how they're advancing the systems. I'm curious to get your perspective on this. Yeah, I think generative AI is going to be a big deal. These systems are incredibly capable of generating high-quality content and high-quality natural language responses. I think with any new technology, though, that it's going to take time to be adopted and figure out how to use this technology effectively in the various ways it can be used. 
because the technology has its challenges as well. There's fairly well-documented challenges with the accuracy of the response because inherently the generative AI system is as accurate as the information it's being trained on and doesn't necessarily inherently have a need to be accurate. It's really just trying to predict the best next word to say in a conversation. And then the other area is in the area of potential bias. And there's been a bunch of documentation of these kinds of things. And I read there was an interesting blog post was generative AI has the potential to bring wrongness at scale. Potentially generative AI can get more wrong and faster, but with less transparency than any other system that's being kind of created. That's in some ways a glass half empty view of it, but there's some elements of, of truth there where essentially this comes back to that AI quality trend is that I think in many cases, in order for it to be effectively used, you're going to need to have ways to manage the quality of the generative AI responses. If you start thinking about it in areas like legal and other areas, it can be quite a problem if you get things wrong there. Those are some of the challenges. People start calling it this notion of hallucination, where the generative AI is not necessarily, could be maybe trained on that great data, or it doesn't stay faithful to the data that's trained on. And then that produces these kind of quality type issues. I think that those challenges will increasingly be addressed. And thus, you know, generative AI, I think is going to fundamentally change all knowledge work. It's going to have a profound effect on many activities that humans are doing right now. Interesting. I'm learning so much on this podcast. Well, did you say hallucination, Jenai? So that's an actual, it's an actual term, hallucination of Jenai? Yeah, hallucination is kind of a term for the generative AI when it doesn't stay consistent and truthful to the source of the data or the data that is being deemed to be a source of truth. So this is where you read these articles of where it can confidently state false things and not know that it's stating false things, or it can produce virus results. That makes sense. And how is AI being applied in fintech in general or finance? Like, I know you mentioned a couple of references earlier, but what are the, some of the key areas where you're seeing it really being leveraged more? In fintech and finance, people are using it in credit. So determining how credit worthy is them, you know, predicting if they're likely to not fully repay a loan or not pay their credit card bills in terms of assessing the risk. So in InsureTech, the risk around whatever you're insuring them about, whether it's the home insurance and the likelihood of damage to the home or life insurance, then fraud in finance and fintech, fraud is always a big challenge. So being able to predict whether a particular transaction could be fraudulent, another similar area is around as regulations around anti-money laundering, so being to detect possible money laundering or other financial crime. It's used also in kind of marketing and marketing operations. So deciding what financial product to show to a person, also in the customer experience area, understanding whether a customer is happy, predicting whether they may churn, and certainly kind of in the customer service area as they have questions, being able to respond to those questions with automated systems like chatbots or predicting whether a customer is getting more and more upset and then whether you need a human to intervene. Those are more general, but they also apply certainly in finance and fintech as well. Very cool. What are some of the customers that Terrera is serving today? 
we work with banks, insurance companies, fintech, insuretech, and we also have customers outside of that in broader technology, retail brands, manufacturing, energy. So pretty broad, but I would say that a very significant number of our customers are in finance and fintech. Got it. Got it. So somebody, if I were just, you know, obviously very new to understanding Terrera, can you walk me through your current value proposition? If I were a brand new customer, like what value are you bringing to me as a customer and, and how does that typically work? What's the current value problem? We enable people to bring a more systematic and iterative way to manage the quality of their systems. That includes the ability to monitor the performance, all these different elements of quality that I talked about before. So being able to monitor the performance at scale, being able to monitor measures of bias, and then also solve some of those operational things by being able to explain systems in ways that humans can understand. And then if there are quality challenges, it's all well and good detecting those, but the actual real key is whether you can debug those and pinpoint the root causes of those. And that's where we have around explainability and root cause analysis, some very unique capabilities based on the research that we've done, uh, our team has done at Carnegie Mellon, that really aren't available anywhere else. We're able to not only detect when your performance may be drifting, but precisely give to you what are the features in your model that are driving that drop in performance, which then can be used in a more systematic way to iteratively and consistently improve your models. So decide on how to retrain these models, what kind of data you should be retraining, whether you need to improve the model or add new features to the model. And then once you have built a new version of the model, we give people the ability to automatically run a bunch of automated tests against that model to make sure that, hey, I've improved in this area, but I'm not seeing a regression in this area. For example, I can improve my overall accuracy metrics, but if my accuracy for a particular and very important customer segment goes down, then that may not be a very good model. Or I can improve my accuracy, but I've actually made my model less robust and less stable over time, and it's more likely to drift then that may also may not be a good model. Or I've improved the performance of my model, but I've introduced some bias, which could create some fairness questions. These are all things that can be codified into tests that we can automatically run every time you train a new model. And this is, goes back to this trend around the maturation of AI. Right now, a lot of these things are done kind of by hand by data scientists. And this is giving them the systems just like we develop for software for them to reduce the amount of time that they need to take and improve their ability to build high quality systems more systematically. Right now, it's hard to be systematic in machine learning because it's the algorithms that actually build the model. So the data science themselves doesn't necessarily understand how the model works because an algorithm has built it. They need the tools in order to help understand the model and help monitor these things and debug these models, which previously have not been readily available. And we're bringing really the state of our tools in these areas of monitoring, debugging, testing, evaluation, explainability in a comprehensive package for our data science and machine learning teams. It's kind of like you're aiding a lot of the data scientists. Yeah. He is to give them the tools to be systematic because right now it's very hard for data scientists to actually know why a model may be not performing, why there may be bias. And so there's a lot of ad hoc analysis performed today 
which is not very efficient and also doesn't necessarily lead to the greatest resolution. Believe it or not, there's a lot of guesswork in data science, and we're really there to take a lot of the guesswork out and make it more systematic. Well, this podcast is called FinTech in the Cloud. I'll be remiss if we don't actually talk about cloud a little bit. So I'm curious to know, what role did AWS play in your development? And at what point was cloud identified in your overall journey? Yeah, absolutely. So most of our customers are building their machine learning systems in the cloud. And so we pride ourselves on building systems that can easily integrate into the cloud stack that they're using in order to build these machine learning systems. So it's absolutely critical in terms of being able to integrate very easily into their systems. And so AWS is our primary cloud and we've built our systems off of that, but we've also built ways in which people who are using AWS and using SageMaker can very easily integrate into our system and we can be a complement to AWS and AWS SageMaker systems. For instance, the ability to easily consume the models, easily ingest the data, and we're working on even deeper integrations where if you're building pipelines within SageMaker, our testing and analysis can be called as a part of one of those pipelines. So you can automate the testing of your machine learning systems within a SageMaker pipeline. I'm curious to know, you know, given where we are today and just the current climate, what's next for Chirara? Do you have global ambitions or what are you most excited about in this phase or this next phase for Chirara? I think there is economic uncertainty. I think that Right now, there's some challenges in the banking and fintech area that really highlights, I think, the need for these technologies, the need to make sure that your tech, your machine learning systems are performing to make sure there's increasing regulatory scrutiny on fintechs. There's going to be a lot of scrutiny around if you're using machine learning systems, of whether these systems are biased or not. You really need I think technology and third-party technology in order to do that. My advice would be not to build these systems in-house, but have the state-of-the-art systems, you know, allow your teams to focus on building better models, but give them the best-in-class tools and are able to do that. And also those tools give a certain amount of third-party credibility that you're building systems that are not biased. And we think that there's a strong case to be made for state-of-the-art tools that have been designed to solve some of these quality issues and address some of these, these societal challenges, which is increasingly getting scrutiny in the fintech area. So I think that when you're in economic uncertainty and when you may not have as easy access to capital, you should focus on what's core to the business and what's core to a lot of these businesses is building better machine learning systems that are going to be better at predicting risk or better at predicting creditworthiness. The key is there is your ability to iterate and do that in an economical way. And that's where I think best-in-class tools can really help. The other area that we're focused a lot on is in natural language and generative AI. It's a brand new area for how do you maintain the quality of generative AI output. And that's where we have some unique technologies and develop around, in particular on monitoring. And then when you identify potential quality issues, how can you kind of identify similar ones, you can cluster those quality issues. So we're focused on just serving our customers better and building these new capabilities that they're looking for 
as people look to ad adopt these you know, new technologies such as generative AI. This was so educational for me, Will. Thank you so much. We have reached the end of our conversation. Thank you so much for joining. Where can people find you or know more about Truera? Yeah, thank you so much. The best way to go is to go to truera.com, T-R-U-E-R-A.com, or people can email me at will at truera.com. Perfect. Thank you. Thanks so much. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe to the show. And while you're there, please feel free to leave a review and rating. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please visit aws.amazon.com slash startups.